Welcome to Love Rules, the radio ministry of Roxbury Presbyterian Church in Boston. My mom, Liz Walker, was Boston's first African-American television news anchor, but her most important job is what she does right now at RPC, preaching the good news about God's love. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. How does that work? Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Love Rules. Today's message, Settling Down with God. Our text, 1 Kings, the 19th chapter, the 4th through the 8th verses. But he, Elijah, himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then Elijah lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank. Then he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. The prophet Elijah finds himself in the wilderness. He has just been part of a miraculous victory over idolatry, defeating the wicked Ahab and Jezebel and their idol, the God called Baal, proclaiming the power of the one true God Almighty. But now Elijah's on the run. Jezebel's very angry over what's happened, and she's vowed to kill him. Terrified and weary, he collapses under a tree and begs God for death. Verse 4, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Elijah's state of mind has changed dramatically. Without warning, he has moved from being the epitome of courage to a defeated and broken man. Here's a man of great faith and favor, a man that we should love, a man that we should model our lives after, who one day has experienced one amazing miracle after another, and now he is lost in a place of confusion and despair. Without warning, he has spiraled into a pit of anguish. What happened? The truth is we all experience periods of despondency. As Christians, we might not like to admit it, but this story about Elijah confirms that knowing God does not mean the end to despair. And sometimes, if we are honest with ourselves, we are even disappointed in our relationship with Jesus. Whether we've experienced a crisis of faith, are struck by some horrible singular event, have been diagnosed with depression, there will be times when we just go down, when we suffer. The Bible says you will have trouble in this world. We are expanding our trauma work at Roxbury Presbyterian Church. For two years, we've offered our community a safe space to come and talk about pain and violence. And now we will seek more funding because we recognize there's such a need for healing in our community. I'm thoroughly convinced that underneath all the violence, the racial animosity, the political polarization, there's, there's a lot of pain and suffering. There are festering wounds in individuals and communities all over the world that have never been treated, and they'll continue to erupt in violent and damaging ways if we don't attend to them. 
or at least acknowledge the pain. The biggest question that humanity confronts is, why is there so much suffering in the world? How do we deal with that? Well, first, we have to understand there's a significant contradictory bit of information about suffering. If you go to the hospital right now and tell them you have pain, the first thing they're probably going to do after they checked you out and and after they made sure you can pay for it, the first thing they're going to try to do is eliminate or lessen the pain. That's appropriate. But the bigger message that we receive from the secular world is that we really don't have to suffer. We don't have to feel pain. You see, that's why drugs are such a huge part of our culture. I'm not saying that all drugs are bad, but we live in a culture that is overprescribed. From what I've researched, that is partially the reason for the opioid addiction right now. The point is, in the secular world, suffering is a problem that can always be fixed. You don't have to experience suffering in the world. I am so thankful you've joined us today. Remember, Love Rules is totally listener-supported. Won't you make a donation right now to keep this program on the air? Log on to RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org and click on Giving. That's RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org. Click on Giving. Thank you. God bless you. The biblical view offers a different way of looking at suffering. As a matter of fact, suffering is one of the most consistent themes in the Bible. From the introduction of death in the book of Genesis to the confusion and murmuring in the book of Exodus to Elijah's weariness under the tree, the biblical message is clear. Suffering is part of this fallen world. Suffering and evil are unavoidable in the world as it is. A world full of hearts that have ripped themselves away from God. The psalmist cries out with pain. The prophet Isaiah warns us about it. Jeremiah just laments it. And the greatest figure of them all, the central character of our faith, is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Jesus endured trauma, bereavement, torture, execution. There's no greater suffering. But here's a question I want you to think about and pray about. Do you believe God's original intent was that humankind should suffer? What kind of God would plan misery and disappointment and unhappiness on his beloved? There is nothing in the Bible that I have found that suggests suffering is good or we should seek suffering or that we should somehow be content in suffering. Remember, Jesus' plea in the Garden of Gethsemane is, If possible, Father, let this cup pass from me. What the cross confirms for us is that God understands suffering that there is a way through suffering. I find it interesting that the text never explains the specifics of Elijah's despondency. We are left to step into this story, into the prophet's predicament, based on our own experiences. Perhaps he's suffering from burnout, a common problem with high achievers. When we take on too much, we can simply run out of steam, and that exhaustion can turn to misery. Maybe he's overcome by the wrongdoing and evil around him. No matter what kind of miracles God performs through us, many, many people are not paying attention, many are not changing, or, or maybe Elijah simply feels like he has fallen out of the grace of God. Maybe after this resounding victory, he no longer feels that God will take care of him. These are all reasonable triggers for, for feeling bad and gloomy, and it's safe to say Elijah is pretty much depressed. 
The angel who comes to Elijah's aid does not ask him what's wrong, doesn't place judgment, doesn't offer any analysis. I've been reading a number of books on suffering, and there's much to be said about the many theological and philosophical approaches to the question. But the longer I live, the more I realize the most pressing question we will face in life is not necessarily why bad things happen, but how do we get through them? And that's why we need God's Word. Because the Bible offers us step-by-step methods and practices of getting through sorrow. I don't believe it's God's will that his beloved suffer. I believe it's God's will that we endure. As bad as Elijah feels, as soon as he falls, he calls out to God. Prayer begins the instant he feels pain. Now, Elijah always walked with God, so this would be expected. But sometimes even those of us who love the Lord forget to call on him. Sometimes our circumstances have caused such pain We become so self-absorbed that we forget we're not alone. You may feel alone, but that is precisely the time when you need to call on the name of Jesus. This must be your default. And this is what I call settling down with God. Settling down with God is making God your default, your automatic pre-selected option, your fail-safe, a mechanism, a spiritual mechanism to revert to a safe condition in the event of a breakdown your first and last go-to. Elijah is a broken man. He's defeated and in despair. You might think he's suicidal, but he frames his troubles in his call to God. Elijah has led a God-centered life, so when trouble comes, God remains at the center. The world may say, take a pill, and sometimes that may be a viable option, but never ignore God. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And you have to grow confident in this, even especially when you don't feel God's presence in the way you might expect. God has a way of surprising us. Now, this was an angel that came to Elijah, a messenger of God. Perhaps the angel even came in a dream. You never know how God will show up. All you need do is be confident that he will show up. Call on him. The angel's first words to Elijah are, get up. The Hebrew translation, kum, is arise, stand, stir yourself, be alive in the midst of your sorrow. Prolonged misery can lead to a disconnect, a hardening of the heart. Suffering can make you bitter and go through a slow and subtle drawing away from the divine. So when you suffer, especially when you suffer, you must remain intent and your search for God. When the disciples with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane slept after he asked them to pray, they were in deep despair. They had failed God, but Jesus turned to them and gently said, Rise up, let's go. What has happened has happened. Now look at me. Let's move on. And the next words are, Eat. Being fed by God signifies the nourishment of God's presence, God's love, God's word. God's will is that we live abundant lives overflowing with the joy of God, giving God the glory that God is due. In this text, Elijah goes through a repetition of this process. Though he's awakened and fed, he falls back to sleep and he's gently awakened again. God's love and care are steadfast. He will love us through our troubles our sins, our mistakes, and our weaknesses. 
I don't believe God's will is that we suffer. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, not to harm you, but give you hope and a future. We call on God, and in the meantime, we settle down with God. I promise you, you will get through. Thanks for joining me. Be blessed. Thank you for tuning in. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m. And remember, our summer Sunday worship schedule, which is in effect right now, is at 10 o'clock. This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. Visit us on our website, RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org, or call us at 617-445-2116.